sound is good? Can you hear me? Good. Thank you for your patience. After a lively conversation earlier, we will continue into our second slot that is an artist talk between uh, Omar Berada and uh, Katia Kameli. And uh, I will go on and introduce Omar in its full length properly. And Omar will be introducing Katia. Omar is a writer and translator and the director of the Dar, Dar al-Mamun, a library and residency center for artists, scholars, and translators located in the outskirts of Marrakesh. Previously, he curated public programs at the Centre Pompidou and hosted shows on French national radio. In 2014, he was on the Artistic Steering Committee, committee of the Marrakesh Biennial and the co-director of Dubai's Global Art Forum. He edited with Eric Bulot, Expanded Translation, a, three, a Treason Treatise, a book of verbal and visual betrayals, and with Ito Barada, album, Cinémathèque de Tanger, a multilingual book about film in Tanger and Tanger on film. He translated books by Jalal Tufik and Stanley Cable into French and recently co-curated the Temporary Center for Translation at the New Museum in New York. He is currently a visiting scholar at NYU and is currently based between New York and his computer, I guess, like me, between Dakar and my computer. Please welcome Omar for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much, Koyo, for the introduction and for your general invitation uh, for me to be here and participate in the thinking and the talking around the fair and forum. Um, I have not actually prepared a formal introduction of Katya, um, but maybe that's better that way because you will get to know her much better than through an introduction. You will get to know her through her words and her images. Um, I guess she is based between Paris and her computer yeah. and, uh, and many other places we will talk about. I just wanted to say something. Um, um, the introduction, there's a little screen of introduction to her video, The Storyteller, before any image appears on screen or any sound is heard. And it says, what language do you speak, stranger? English? I will try though my French is better. <laughs> Katia has been telling me that were we to have this conversation in French, she would feel better. But I would like to answer her with the rest of the text that appears on the screen, in that same screen in her video, which says, where are you from? Far away? It doesn't matter. Here, everyone is an outsider. So I hope you will help me make Katia feel welcome and comfortable. Um, we will try to follow up on the great and lively conversation that Koyo just, was just having with Jihan Al-Tahri 
on uh, the so-called great divide between Northern Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa. And this territory of the desert of the Sahara uh, having been viewed and constructed as a frontier, as something uncrossable and barren um, along these, one of these modern colonial myths of separation um, that erases all the memories of crossing, of exchange, and of life in that territory. We won't necessarily talk a lot about the Sahara as such, um, because Katyan hasn't necessarily worked on that territory. But we, we will look at how space appears in her work, and in particular at her interest in certain kinds of liminal spaces, the spaces between things, um, and how her work tries to inhabit them. And in, in a way, we will try and take our cue from the lives of the nomads in the Sahara in some way. Um, perhaps before we get there, I will ask Katya to introduce herself since I didn't do my work <laughs> <laughs> of preparing the introduction and perhaps how, how, she, how she got to start making the images she, she is making, which we will look at and comment on. So, um, hello, hi everyone. Uh, so yeah, I'm Katia Kameli, and uh, what should I say? I'm Franco-Algerian, and uh, I mention this a lot because this is really important, um, and uh, it's um, something which is um, is really present in my work. Um, what is present is not those two cultures, but the fact that uh, since uh, I'm a child. Uh, like really early, I had to ask myself the question of where I was. And uh, well, actually it's between, it was, uh, it is between two cultures and two territories. And um, for me, it happened when it is that my father lived in Algeria, my mom lived in France, and so since I'm six, something like that. Uh, I was like really moving back and forth between the two countries. And um, actually it was, uh, I was traveling by plane most of the time. One would take me to the airport and the other one would pick me up at the other airport. And I really liked that moment where I was just uh, by myself and in between those two territories. And um, um, I found out that being in airplanes or airports was quite relaxing, in fact. And, um, uh, you know, those places that uh, Marc Auger is like defining as uh, non-lieu or non-spaces, um, finally they became like my space. And, um, and I did not have to define myself as an Algerian or as a French, but I could be both or even more than that. So, yeah. Um, so this, this is how it started, like, uh, you know, like uh, trying to define myself in between two, two space. Um, when, we, when we had, um, because Katya and I only met yesterday for the first time and like, a lot of people we 
we met on Skype first a couple of times. Uh, the first time for a project she was doing um, that we will talk about at the end. And she was actually interviewing me as a translator and we will explain that. And the second time just to prepare for this. And uh, you were telling me about a, a project, one of your films called Bledi. Mm -hmm. um, there's a subtitle, Bledi. Bledi, uh, a possible scenario. A possible scenario which a good part of is filmed on a ferry going from France to Algeria and then on the other side. And you were telling me that for you, this particular project was one of the ways, I mean, it had to do with the way you came to making images because Algeria at a certain moment of its recent history was a country without images. Can you yeah. say more? Um, so maybe you all know that uh, you know Algeria had like a, some sort of, uh, there is many names for it, civil war or, um, well, some blackout, some Islamization and uh, terrorism period. Uh, between, started in uh, uh, 91, 92. And uh, yeah, during that period, uh, until it's kind of, uh, there is not like really precise da dates for that, but uh, I would say it's, it stopped a little bit, it was more quiet in 89, then it started a little bit again, and then it stopped in 2001, two. So um, yeah, at that period, I was um, being, I was studying in an art school in Bourges, and um, for me it was really difficult because I, I've been traveling most of my t of my life like between those two countries, and finally I could not go anymore because it was really too dangerous for my father and for myself. And uh, so I was like searching for images, like I needed to see images of that country, and uh, and there were barely none of them. <coughs> And actually, the, the only one that we could find uh, or that were published, uh, there were like images of uh, Bruno Bougelal. And uh, it's kind of funny because most, most of them were like blurry images. So somehow also it was kind of, uh, you know, um, saying a lot about, um, uh, yeah, the territory and uh, um, the, the difficulties to make images there also. Um, so, yeah, because of this missing of images, I decided that, uh, okay, um, I should make some of them. And uh, so I started to go again in 99. I started to make uh, Super 8 movies. Then I came back to France and uh, with the, this idea that I would like to make a, more something like a documentary movie. Um, because what I found out in 99 was that the country was no more what it, had, what it was before. It had totally shifted to something else that I could not really relate to. So Bledi is also questioning. Bledi uh, also means my country. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. In Maghreb Arabic. Yeah. And Arabic. like, bled, bled is the country 
uh, and uh, E is the possessive, it's like my country. And um, so I, I decided to take uh, the mythical way back and took the, the boat in Marseille and went back to Alger, questioning people. And um, it's also a film which is questioning the medium uh, I wanted to use, which is video. So it's, and it's questioning the, the, uh, the images in general. So there is a mix of fixed image, uh, moving images, black and white, super eight, black and white color. And so, um, and it's questioning also uh, the way we receive information. Um, for example, in the film, there is uh, some, a lot of informations are given by music. This is also something we can talk later, but music is really important for me. And, uh, and music is translated as a source of information, like a teletext under the images. Uh, so yeah, um, this is quite an intense movie. It's like 20 minutes and it's, um, I would say, yeah, really intense. Of a lot of information. And you have to choose the information that you're going to take as a viewer too. Like, uh, you can't do both. You can't look at the image and read the text at the same time. You have to choose your position. Can we perhaps, before we go further, look at the first images you oh, yeah, have on please. the, you want to make oh, them? Okay. <coughs> so we're, we're just starting with a series of photographs. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps I? you can okay. tell us something about them. Um, so, yeah. Um, so Friday is, you know, like, uh, it's like Sunday. In, in here, it's like the day, uh, the day off. And um, I mean, so there is many levels in in my um, in my images most of the time, and um, this is where I feel I am. And um, the empty chair. Yeah, and yeah, in the middle, and also watching, um, watching, but being an actor also. And um, okay, and it's two different uh, situation. You see that um, yeah, there is the family and there is the guys, and um, 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 in the front row also, I really like those two girls and the way they close their legs, which is there is many codes in this uh, image. And uh, yeah, you have like this um, yeah beach scene, and behind you have like some historical context and uh, some leftover of the colony. Um, so yeah, there is uh, already in the image like uh, two two levels. And uh, I mean, uh, even more than that. So, should I go to the next? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, most of the time you have an image also in an image. And uh, here's the same, like um, you wonder a little bit where's this scene. And um, 
at the beginning you have the impression that this sandcastle is transported by this um, truck. This truck. And uh, well, when you look at a little bit further, you, you see that, you know, it's just like something which is like a collage or something like that. Um, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mentioned before, like, I really like this sort of image in an image. Um, and I, I really like also the the idea that this whole scene is in a sort of uh, terrain vague. I don't know how to <coughs> like no man's waste, waste yeah. land. Or yeah, and um, and you don't know where it's happening. So this is called Drust effect. It's like the Vash Cleary effect. And um, okay, this one is. Um, vernacular architecture and shade of meaning. So yeah, you see that there is all the time like uh, this, this taste sorry, for um, yeah, no man's land and, uh, and um, <coughs> some sort of um, universal architecture. And uh, yeah, you can, Im I mean, the first, the first uh, level is like this, uh, you don't know like also like what kind of scene happened here or um, yeah, I try to not to be too didactic with my images. I try to leave the space uh, to the viewer to, um, to project his own history also and uh, to project his own location. Because yeah, most of the time you can't locate. And, uh, right, I was almost going to ask you where these images were taken and then I thought that it is part of the image that it doesn't it, say where it is. Yeah, but they question that because all the time, each time I, I, sh I show those images, people ask me, where did you take them? So it's like, indeed the image, it's like, yeah, you want to know where. And I'm not answering the question. You have to, to answer for yourself. And uh, you know, you have to find uh, where this belongs in your, in your mind. There will be a question and answer period after this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, and this one is called the third space. And of course it's referring to, um, um, to Omika and Baba and like this, yeah, for me this third space is like uh, um, yeah, this in-between space where you can project uh, different sort of things. And um, yeah, for me it was making sense, this image because of this mirror and what is happening in this mirror. And of course, what is in the first ground and in the background. Um, it's like a third eye. Uh, this is uh, another scenario. Uh, this one is called Bush Mechanic. And um, um, yeah, I have also something with mopeds. I don't like, I don't know why I really like mopeds everywhere. And um, so I like the way that one is uh, 
um, is um, integrating the landscape. Um, and uh, this is another example also. Like, uh, you don't really know what is happening. Well, obviously, you can see the, the maybe the Mediterranean because of the color. And uh, you don't know if I, if it's like some sculpture of mine or what is um, happening there. Um, okay. And, and this is all for the images I... Right, I thought it was interesting to see these images, to see the way in which your work sort of tries to focus on, on what you call a no man's land or an uninhabited space or a space that where there are traces that are not necessarily easy to, to read in one specific manner. You can project all kinds of things into them. Um, and, um, and, and I think that's something that happens in a lot of your works as we're going to see this kind of focusing on the third space but also performing the third space in a way. Yeah. And, um, and I suppose we can see the bit of video called Dissolution, yeah. where it's... Um, so, yeah, what, can I, I, I can, what I can say also about these images is that, uh, I mean, the point I want to make with them is that, um, um, yeah, um, and this is going back to the discussion that was before, uh, um, this is not, nothing is about territories or location, it's more about the position you look at things the way you, your, yeah, the position and the way you look at things. So this is mostly what, I, what is uh, shown in the fixed image. And um, okay, this, we're going, this is another work which is called Dissolution. It's a video installation. And um, we're going to, to watch it now. So this is normally the way it's presented. And this is, um, it's uh, also an important video because, uh, well, you will see. There is also a discussion between two medium, which are sound and uh, moving images.
uh, <coughs> it's looping and uh, you don't see the loop and uh, uh, it's quite some, immer it's really immersive in fact and uh, it's a bit like a Chamini uh, effect, you know, like you sit in front of it and uh, you're waiting for something which is not happening really. And um, so it's... Um, Even though there is continual movement. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just like this boat <coughs> penetrating that space, that zone. And uh, you can look at it in different perspective, like... Uh, um, I think it doesn't say clearly where it's filmed either. I don't know, I was showing this piece in the north of France and uh, people thought it was Le Havre. Well, but actually it's, uh, it's filmed in Algiers. So this is the Mediterranean Sea be behind it, but we don't recognize it because the, it was so hot that the image became gray a little bit. And this is actually why I like this video because it's not located somewhere. But also in the same time, uh, uh, it can also, I, I mean, for me, it's also related to the fact that, you know, Algerians look at the other side and we look, we were, you were mentioning before that, yeah, we, we're always looking to north and actually this is also present in that video, like, um, uh, yeah, and this is pretty much like the way they, they, are, they are watching the other side, something like which is, um, completed to, to get and uh, far away and um, in the main and yeah and somehow uh, because for Algerians it's quite hard to move and to get visa to go abroad but you know all these stories and um, and for all the Africans this this sea is difficult to um, to cross <laughs> thank you <laughs> I like this uh, refusal that you have of naming the places where you shoot your pictures and your videos. And it might be something to do with you know, identity, not wanting to be yourself pinned down to Algeria or France or elsewhere. But I think it also points to something more profound and beyond yourself that becomes apparent in your more recent works and especially the, the slide that you have next, the storyteller. Mm -hmm which is a work that you did, a video work you did in Marrakesh in 2012 for the Marrakesh Biennial um, that has to do with the location of stories, basically, where, where are stories coming from. Uh, we're going to see, a I think, a short excerpt from the video. Yes. Would you like to introduce it? No, no, we can, we can see a short... Uh, excerpt, and then we'll comment on it. And then we after. come back to the... This is just like, I think, the four first minutes. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wa sallallahu ala seyyidina muhammadin. وعلى آله وصحبه إجمعين أما بعد يحكى والله أعلم أنه كان بأرض الهند واحد شاب في العمر ديالو 18 سنة 
الاسم ديالو رامو كان عايش غير هو وامو كان يتيم من باه في واحد كان هاد الولد مجتهد في الدراسه ديالو كان تيجي هو الاول كان مولوع والهوايه ديالو كره القدم ولكن واحد اليوم ضاعت فيه امو قالت له ولدي قال لي نعم يا امي قالت له خصك ولدي تكتب للشركه اللي مات فيها باك وتعاود لهم على الحال ديالنا وعلى ضعفنا يصيفطوا لنا واحد شويه ديال الفلوس قال لي لا بد يا امي ديها غير في راسك وتبعي الدواء اللي قال لك الطبيب جبد الدواء وعطاه ليها وجمع الكتب ديالو وقال لي هاني امي مشيت للدراسه تم جاي حزين دخل القسم وجمع كتبه وبيخرج على الباب دار فيه الاستاذ مالك ولدي قال له المدير طردني من الدراسه طردك ايه علاش قال له على الاجره اللي ما خلصتش قال له ولدي ما سوقنا لك والو كاين الله سبحانه وتعالى هكذا خرج من القسم حزين باكي العين حزين القلب الحقل دار امو طلع الدخله اللي داخل شافت امو ولدي رامو ولدي رامو ما جاوبهاش قالت له والله ولدي انا كنهضر معاكم انت ما كتجاوبنيش هزات عينيها فيه بان الدموع ديالو اللي نازلين والدري اللي هو حزين الله ولدي مالك كتبكي قال لي امي طردوني من القسم لاجل ما خلصتش الاجره ديال الدراسه سمعت منه هذا الكلام وقالت له اوليدي غيب التي وشي مات نبرا ونولي شويه وعادي نخرج نخدم وعادي يا ولدي نخلص عليك وعادي نضك للمدرسه ديالك باقي كتكلم معاه تيسمع ساعي البريد اللي كيعيط ليه قالت له الحمد لله نزل وليدي يا ساعي البريد ربما الشركه صفطت لنا شويه ديال الفلوس نزل الدري ولقى ساعي البريد وسلم ليه الرساله قبض الرساله اسيادنا وفتحها تيلقى ان الشركه ما مسؤولاش على الموت ديال باه وما عاد يصيفطوا ليه التريال الدري اسيادنا زاد عليه الحزن وقبض ديك الرساله وحطها على قلبه وموقفه الفوق هي نزله بواحد السرعه زلقات بقضاه الله جات كتكرك في الدروج طاحت اسيادنا بين رجليه والدم خرج ليها من نفها وفمها والدري طاح مي شكون يصيفط للاسعاف شكون يعيط للاسعاف ما كاين اللي داها فيه ما عليه الا خلى مو طايحه وهز على اسيادنا جليلو والدم خرج كيجري الخرجه اللي خرج على باب دارهم بيقطع الشنطي كانت واحد السياره جايه بسرعه ضربات الدري هرساتو من رجليه طاحت جمعات عليه الجقا جاو صحاب الاسعاف هزوه للمستشفى قعد الدري تتعالج ولكن من اللي برا مشاو رجليه وعطاوه جوج ديال العكاكز وجاو يقطع الشنطي تيبان ليه واحد الشاب زين الصوره في ديع عكاز بيقطع الا واحد السياره جايه كانت بتصدمو جرى اسياد نرام وشد ليه في كتافو وجرو طاح هو وياه the video goes on for about 12 minutes and what I think is really interesting about this is that so you go to Marrakesh and you decide to work with a storyteller. This is a person who is actually a traditional storyteller in the Place Jamal Ifnav Marrakesh and you can correct me or add to oh, what yeah. I'm saying. And, um, and you decide to film him telling the story. So there are many elements. One of the elements is you decide to film this storytelling which is usually done outside and with a circle of people around you decide to film it inside but it's a very peculiar inside because it's the inside of the 
Théâtre Royal in Marrakech, which was the main venue for the biennial that year. And it's an inside that's a no man's land in, in some way, like the ones we saw in the pictures, because it's a, it's a huge opera theater uh, that was planned in the 60s and that was never finished because as they were building it, they realized that they had made some mistakes in calculation and the acoustics wouldn't work. So the whole thing was built, but it was just bare bones like this, and it was kept that way. And it's there. The outside is entirely finished and painted yeah. and impressive. Um, but in the inside, nothing can happen, uh, except now, since the biennial did this, they're starting to use it for different things. So we decide to film in here, but also the story that he tells, and we always consider storytelling as this traditional folk talk art form, uh, I don't know, the Brothers Grimm in Germany, their tales are the essence of German culture, or uh, Charles Perrault, the essence of French culture, or these guys on the Place Jean-Marie in Marrakech, they tell these stories that come from an ancestral line of grandmothers and great-grandmothers telling stories to their children, except that the story he tells is in fact the screenplay of a Bollywood film, which then you, you edit together with the story. So and it's a, it's a whole new strain of your work that looks at how these the stories get translated and travel. So, yeah. And, um, so, yeah, come to, I mean, you, you, said, you said it well. So, it's, I mean, I get invited for, for this Biennale in Marrakech. Um, at the time, I was really much into um, um, research about the derive, this, uh, the bore uh, the concept, drift, the drift. Urban drift. And uh, I was thinking, when I came to Marrakech, I was thinking, I had a coffee, you know, at this place. I don't know if some, some of you know this, this uh, square. And I saw, I looked at it from above, and I saw all those people, like, moving from one story to another story, or to the charming, uh, Snake charmers? Snake charmers or whatever. I mean, there is many different uh, um, circles. Um, those circles are called the halqa. Halqa. Yeah. And uh, liter yeah, literally it means like to make the circle around oneself. And yeah, those people were moving between those circles. And I thought uh, that was an interesting place of the derive, in fact, the drift. So then I started my research with the storytellers and found out that uh, Al Azaliya about Al Azaliya. So this guy is a specialist in <laughs> in uh, telling films. And in the research I found, I mean, it was really few lines about him. And uh, in the research I found, I I thought uh, they were like mentioning that he was uh, storytelling peplum. So at the beginning, I thought I will take him to Barzazat the studio of Wazazad because there is like, um, this is a place for cinema set in the middle of the desert, actually. And, um, but when I met him uh, in Marrakech, uh, then he started to tell me, no, 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 I'm not, uh, um, I'm not storytelling Peplum, I, I'm storytelling Bollywood movies. So I was like, wow. And, in fact, this was making much more sense for me because uh, in Algeria, after the, the, the on the TV, uh, on the TV, we had 
uh, one Egyptian movie and then we had a Bollywood movie. So for me, it was like kind of was making sense some way that uh, he was into Bollywood. And so he started to explain me that, uh, so that's him when he was younger. And uh, so he started to explain me that uh, he was going to the cinema, which is really close to the square, which is called the Eden Cinema. And then he would watch a movie and then come back to the square and uh, tell the film and retell the film and uh, translate the film. So um, with his, of course, own culture and uh, background. So I really like this idea. And uh, so then started the question like, okay, what, where should I film him? And, uh, um, and also what film? So he gave me like a, a long list of films that he liked and that uh, he's, he's, he used to, um, to, to perform. Um, so I had, I had to watch like a lot of Bollywood movies and um, uh, and, uh, and none of them was really like making sense to me. And, uh, but then I, I looked at that one, which is called, uh, so it's telling Dusty, uh, which is a classical movie from uh, black and white, as you saw, uh, from um, the 60s, 70s. And um, it's the story of those you so those two guys, those two little boys. It's like three hours and a half of dramas, and well, they make it in life because uh, one starts to play the the the, the accordion, the uh, harmonica, sorry, and the other one starts to sing, and a circle is going around them, and people give them money to. Uh, so this is how they make it, and that he can go back to his studies and everything. Um, so for me, it was like a loop again, like uh, again, one image in another image. And uh, so you, uh, it was a little bit him like telling his own story. Uh, so I called him and uh, I asked him like, oh, do you know Dusty? Do you like that movie? And he was like, oh yeah, I forgot about it. And, uh, uh, and so this is how we started to work. And so the other question came, like, where do I take him? And uh, yeah, this, because we were like going around with the crew of the Marques Biennale, and I, I saw this space and I was like, wow, you know, concrete, I like concrete. And like this, yeah, this concrete shell, uh, this, uh, I was wondering why SN2 wanted to have an opera in Marrakesh. I mean, I was wondering like, for whom is it dedicated? And, um, and also it was like really funny that this project failed finally, but, and that outside this is like uh, some like, um, because it's really the outside is looking like a, um, an Arabic Orient cake. An oriental <laughs> Disney palace. Yeah. And inside there is like, this, um, um, yeah, this uh, concrete um, leftovers. So finally, I thought it was a good idea to, to take him to this space that uh, should have been dedicated to theater um, or representations. Mm -hmm. So, and also it had the form of a circle. So it was like a loop again and um, so. This is how it 
set it up. And, right. uh, and then it was exhibited inside And so and it, was, it, it was exhibited inside the space. So you could see him from all the balconies. And um, yeah. And it was also for me, it was really important because uh, it was a piece in Arabic. And uh, for me, it was really making much, it was really making sense to have a, a piece in Arabic in that, in that, in that context. And um, yeah, and strangely, people are sitting down and are, are listening to this guy. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I think he's, um, so yeah, it's, it's 12 minutes. And it's what introduced your new research, which we can talk about briefly before we take so questions, that's because theater. I think the, the hour is coming to a close. But it's this interesting way in which we were talking about the Sahara earlier as this space that divides, that divides North Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa or Black Africa and assigns each one of them to its own place or identity or name. And you're, in a way, using these uh, blank spaces or third spaces in order to stage a narration that could be visual or... or um, with words that that sort of subverts the the idea of each assigned to a place or the origin of yes. of a particular identity, because you show a story and then it appears that it comes from elsewhere than the place you think, and it's even more so in in the new project called Stream of Stories. Yeah, yeah, and because somehow it's questioning also. I mean, um, yeah, this idea of the origin or the original um, so um, while I was showing the storyteller and uh, I was having this discussion with uh, a French anthropologue and um, he started to tell me and we were discussing about you know all culture is moving like how yeah um, how things are moving all the time and uh, how they were always like that. And um, so yeah, we started to have this discussion and it was like, yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, your film, this is making me, do you know, do you knew that uh, 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 La Fontaine fables uh, were inspired by uh, Arabic uh, fables, uh, tales? And I was like, no. And because, okay, I was educated in France and La Fontaine is like really like a pillar of the French education, like we all, get to learn by heart some La Fables, some fables of La Fontaine. And uh, I could remember, I mean, and I really much like that, so I could remember that uh, uh, the teachers were speaking about Aesop and the Greek influence uh, he had, but uh, I could not remember that uh, they would mention that there were like any Arabic uh, influence. Otherwise, you know, because I'm half Algerian and everything, I would have been remembering this. So, um, so yeah, I started to look. I went back home and I started to research, and I found myself like totally embarked, um, embarked, <laughs> embarked like uh, in a stream of stories. So, um, <clears throat> and and on, on many levels. Because, um, so what I discover is that, uh, yeah, La Fontaine got inspired by uh, 
Kamila and Dimna, which is the Arabic, uh, an Arabic, uh, which is actually the first prose of uh, literary uh, in, in Arabic. It's uh, it's a f it's frame stories. It's like the it's like the One Thousand Nights, but was written before. Actually, the One Thousand Nights are inspired by the Kalila and Dimna. And uh, researching a little bit further, I found out Kalila and Dimna was uh, coming from a Persian version. I mean, it was a translation of a Persian version of um, Indian tales. Which is, and which is coming as a group of tales, which is named the Pachatantra, which is dating from the third century before Christ. So, again, like some connection occurred with, uh, with India. And uh, um, yeah. And um, I mean, the loop, is, is going even further is uh, that um, the La Fontaine had a fan, which was a diplomat called uh, Feuillet de Conche. And uh, Feuillet, at that time, in the Salon uh, Parisien, like India was very much into fashion. And Feuillet de Conche uh, had this idea um, to have um, uh, a book without illustrations of La, of La Fontaine to have it illustrated by, um, by uh, Indian painters, miniatures, uh, uh, which is called Imba, Imam Baksh. And so, for example, here, it's uh, one illustration of La Fontaine fable by an Indian uh, miniature. Miniaturist. Um, so, yeah, it was like, Again, a loop, a really strange loop, and uh, it's like a, um, a travel in times and, uh, and different cultures, and um, you know, it's uh, quite, um, it's a lot of documents to read. It was like a, a long research, uh, and uh, in, the interest with those research is all those uh, iconography also. Um, here is um, the first uh, chapter of what I'm going to do with this project, which is like really uh, on, is still on process. And um, this was on view in Avro Magazinet in Sweden. And uh, so here, for example, you have all the cartography of all the um, different versions um, of the Pachatantra, which are named the fables of Big Pay, because of course it changed many names and it had many uh, uh, adaptations and uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, also an, import, an important thing with, with those texts is that um, um, it's like books for the princes. So uh, it's political books, in fact, at the beginning. It's really like uh, it was made to, uh, to give keys for, um, 
kings mm -hmm. to govern their um, their lands, their people. Yeah, their people. Um, so, and at the end, okay, at the end of the corridor, it's like it's many levels in this um, um, in this installation, and. Um, so at the end of the corridor, you have a projection of one image of uh, Oudry, which is the famous uh, French illustrator of La Fontaine. And uh, in the original image, you have like two ducks in it, but I took them out from the image and uh, they are projected by uh, the light of the video projector. And it's like uh, those two ducks are coming out of the image. And uh, there is a turtle lying on the floor, and uh, because she was bavard, uh, uh, like bavard, uh, um, she spoke too much. <laughs> yeah, she was. She's talkative. too talkative, so she 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 felt she felt down. She felt in the image. Yeah. And um, no, this is in the story, but she felt also from in the from the image. So this is another point of view of the of the installation, and uh, so it was a way to try to organize all this research I started to to do and to um, set up also like new um, ideas for where the project is going to to go. So there is also a lot of books. So this is uh, um, some, uh, I, actually you can have all these uh, versions. Uh, we have a lot of those versions of Kalila and Dimna and uh, the, the Persian version also uh, in the BNF, which is like the French National Library. And uh, they are actually, uh, you can download the PDF. And so I reprinted them so people can, you know, like, uh, uh, you have mask of animals, uh, which is going to come in the, they are going to come also in the next chapter of the, of the project, uh, which is going to be a movie, and um, where there's going to be some mask. And there is interviews, and this is how we met. Uh, like uh, there is also like two, three interviews. Uh, okay, Oviuna is like uh, with Christiane uh, Zinigas, which is the chief curator of Musée Jean de La Fontaine. So she's telling us more about um, um, the Feuillet de Conche recueil. Uh, and uh, the interview I did with you was more about the role of the translator. And uh, another interview is with uh, uh, Catherine von Rumbecke, which is uh, teaching Persian literature, and uh, she's a big specialist of the Persian version, and uh, she's telling more about all the politic, the political um, background, which is into those fables, and uh, she's arriving, and she's like explaining how Machiavel, uh, with the uh, like oh, was also inspired by 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 all all these fables. So yeah, it's many different uh, um, levels of 
um, yeah, understanding and watching the porosity of, of culture. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> Perhaps you can take five minutes for questions. <laughs> if there are questions. People are fed up with my poor English, so I don't want to Come on, tell her you were understanding what you were saying. There is a question over there. Thank you both so much for the talk this afternoon. It's been fantastic, and it's been great seeing more of Katia's work. Um, I had more of a comment about the video where you had the, the ships entering the, entering the scene, and I thought it was so interesting how the smoke coming, I guess, from oil obliterated our view of those ships. So they almost seemed to, to vanish when, when, they, when they came into view. And I thought it was quite an interesting, almost um, analogy for how we look at boats and how they are emblems of commerce, but also in the movement of people. And we don't tend to almost look at the everyday objects, you know, goods, etc., or migrants who enter our community and think about actually their journey or how they arrived. It's almost like there's this amnesia when we think about the sea. It's generally a place of leisure so I thought it was great seeing the image of the people on the side of the beach and then seeing that video afterwards to talk about the two perspectives about how we view the sea as a place of entry, a place of departure, but also the space of leisure and not really actually talking as much about what it actually has meant so much, especially within the African diaspora. So. Okay, thank you for the comment. The video is called Dissolution. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, thank everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Katya.